How you doing? I'm Doug Devaney, and you're listening to the Plastic Podcasts, Tales of the Irish Diaspora. Find us and subscribe to us at www.plasticpodcasts.com. Here at the Plastic Podcasts, we like to think of ourselves as part of a community, but never has that been truer than today. I'm here talking to not one, not two, but three of the team at Leeds Irish Centre, which is celebrating 50 years of playing host to generations of the diaspora, as well as such acts as Brendan Shine and Oasis. The anniversary is being celebrated with a book, 50 Years in the Making, and its author, Sharon Boyle, joins me, along with Liam Thompson, chairman of the Irish Centre, and Tommy McLaughlin, its manager. Tommy starts off the interview by describing the plans the centre had for its 50th anniversary before COVID changed everything. We were, we were going to have um, Brendan Shine back. Brendan Shine opened the place back in 1970, and uh, we were having Brendan back um, for an evening, along with uh, Philomena Begley and others. And th- that was only just one night. The, the full week was taken up. We were going to have uh, a heritage night, telling people how the Irish people came to Leeds and uh, how they managed and how this place became. And uh, lots of different things. Even down to one Sunday, we were going to even bless the graves. And, you know, we just had so much to do and it was just taken from us. You do have the book. We do have the book and uh, hopefully, well, I know the book will be with us now in the next few days. The book is fantastic. Uh, I'm really, really pleased with what people have done and people have um, have given up time and, and written in their memories and photographs given. Absolutely beautiful. So I hope people will take it on board as a souvenir of the last 50 years, maybe in remembrance of their parents or something to have pass on to their children. Uh, I hope people will, will take it on board as a as a memory of the centre. We're very we're very grateful for Sharon for what she's she's written. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We were so lucky that you, we could have tried to do this on our own, and we wouldn't have made a good a job anywhere close to where we are now. Not not no. even not even ten no. percent of where we are now. But we, we we've handed over to the professionals and been guided by professionals. And, and Sharon, thank God, has has brought us in the right direction. We've had. Had our discussions, we've had our agreements, we've had disagreements, but that's what it's about and trying to get to the right thing. Mm-hmm. But when when we've been down, we've been down to the printers already looking at it coming off the presses and to see it in actual flesh from something that's taken sort of two years to get to this point in, in regards to when we decided we we're going doing it. Um the quality, the 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 what the content is absolutely superb and we're indebted to Sharon for yeah. hard work for what she's done for us, really has done a fantastic job. Yeah, yeah. And Sharon, what was, what, was, what was the experience like of compiling the book? Um, it's, uh, well, it's been a year, a year, 50 years and a year in the making for the centre and a year for me. I'm a journalist. Um, I uh, was invited to meet the committee by Tommy, who um, is related to me, but also knows my journalism work. And I've met the committee twice. Um, put forward my ideas for a book um, and we're, we're not far from the original ideas to be honest um, but it's actually grown it's you know I thought we probably might do 40 or 50 pages it's 116 pages and we, it is beautifully laid out at mm. uh, the photo we've we've uh, used leads based um, media uh, a designer uh, Mike Gaunt, a photographer, James Hardesty, um, 
the quality of their work has really been superb. The printers, um, again, local printers. So we've kept it very much within the city as it should be. Um, and over the year, it's gone from what I thought would be 40, 50 pages, 116. Uh, and it's filled with photos, some great stories. And as I say, there's everyone in it from Oasis to the Horseshoe Society. The Horseshoe Society? Well, the, the Horseshoe Society, it's a sport, isn't it, it Tommy? Is. It is a sport, yes. And uh, it started a few years ago. And uh, they play it out here in, in the, um, the, uh, the field and uh, go, go across to Ireland quite regular. Uh, playing teams from Galway and in Galway in particular and uh, they come over to us and uh, we miss them and they're good crack when they're here you know yes the whole you know that sums up the centre really that it it's um every day it honours and preserves its legacy its culture uh, while looking ahead so by booking up and coming acts from Oasis to Nathan Carter um and you know it it, it gives everyone a chance, whether it's sport, culture, writing, dancing. And so it's a mixture. I think that's why it's still a success is because I feel, having studied it now for the year, it, it combines its past, it respects and preserves and honours its past and its older members, but it also looks to the future. As I say, we've got, they've got traditional musicians here, but they've also got up and coming rock bands and singers and poets. Um, during the first lockdown, they uh, used the time, and I thought this sums them up really, they used the time to update uh, the centre. And when you walk in, you know, it's like a, a business conference centre or perfect venue for weddings, big meetings, uh, so it's looking ahead commercially while preserving its culture. We had a, a previous club. It was the old national, the old Irish national down Brigitte. It was a land league club in its time. And uh, of course, there was many, many Irish pubs as well. But the only dancing we had was St. Francis's. But that was only on a Saturday night. 1960, then came the Shamrock, came the Casey brothers from London. And they opened the Shamrock. Uh, in 1960, therefore, you had another place to choose from Saturday, uh, say St. Francis, and Sunday in uh, the Shamrock. We used to go to St. Francis and Shamrock on the one night in case you'd miss anything, <laughs> but um, uh, a lot of people, a lot of people met their partners in St. You Francis. know, Tommy, when, when the centre first opened, and I think the other thing that's impressed me really is the care that the centre offers. The care, they care about the members, they care about the community, the Irish community in Yorkshire, but they care about the city and the wider region. Um, you know, Yorkshire has welcomed the Irish uh, over the past 200 years particularly. Um, and during the last lockdown, aside from doing, doing up, uh, refurbing the centre, twice a week they were making sandwiches and packed meals and hot drinks for the city's homeless. And I think that's the perfect analogy, really, of the centre. Um, so they're still, even in lockdown, they were still looking after the less fortunate. And when the centre first opened, you talked about every Saturday they'd have benefit dancers. Yes, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was the time when uh, lads, uh, I'm talking about the, um, the early 1970, 1971, um, 
lads working on the buildings they weren't covered by any health and safety issues or whatever maybe they working maybe cash in hand that type of thing and on a regular basis we would have the benefit dancers every week and that was a, a big way in raising money in the early days uh, but that when i came then in 75 uh, there wasn't as much as that because obviously um, people were being paid then, as, as I say, uh, regularly. They, they, they weren't being paid cash in hand. So uh, we we turned then to other uh, charities, and we've been we've been well known within the city uh, for raising money, you know. But we we never shouted about it, or we never wanted any praise or whatever. But people know what we have done, you know. And but I yet, think the main the main thing to stress tommy is they're certainly not irish linked charities either are they they're, they're... No, not, no not necessarily i mean a lot of it's done for for the young people for the hospitals the local hospitals in particular i mean um the first the kidney machines were bought from here and the kidney machines were five kidney machines in the end bought for the leeds general infirmary not only that but there was a car bought as well so that people could do home analysis and then, as I say, when Bexley came, the the, um, uh, the cancer unit in St. James's, we raised over £100,000 for that. And it's gone on and on and on. But as I say, mainly the charities within the Leeds area, yes. But I think where you, you are ahead of your time, I would like to say, because Thank you. in 1999, they set up the Tuesday Lunch Club for <laughs> older pensioners yes. who may be isolated at home. I mean, loneliness is a, quite a fashionable um, subject these days, loneliness among the elderly. But the Irish Centre's been looking after its, its elderly for 20 years. And every Tuesday in normal times, they have um, over 300 older people coming here for lunch, uh, games, music, dance. And that's brilliant. Yeah. It's a, I can honestly attend to that. It's an absolute fantastic thing to do, the Tuesday Club. It's it, the people that come to it. I, I, we've seen people come in here with crutches and leave without them. That's <laughs> it's the truth isn't it tommy it is um, absolutely people sometimes this is the tuesday club here is the only time that some people get out during a week because obviously being elderly they don't like going out in the evening they don't like what's going on, it's dark and this is their home from home and it's something that's been with them all their lives uh, i know my own mother used to cancel hospital appointments she'd say that she was looking after her granddaughter or something like that because she'd say i can't do tuesday i can do any day but tuesday mm. and even when my mother sadly is no longer with us when she was when she was ill she went no funeral on a tuesday don't no monday no tuesday you can't affect the tuesday club whatever you do and that was a driving force for everything and when my mother died a chair was empty for a week and the following week was somebody sat in the chair yeah, yeah. because that's what it's like it's a family bringing somebody else into the family and looking after them and that's what this place is like to be honest it's, it's always been a family place it's it, it's it's warm it's welcoming yeah it's a business but you know what we do what we do to have our little bit of island over here in England and we look after everybody, prince or pauper, uh, rich or poor, yeah. you're welcome through the door and everyone's looked after and that's what it's about. I, I say, I tell people you like the NHS because you actually look after people cradle to the grave um, because you can have your uh, christening party here right through to your wake and everything in between. <laughs>
You're listening to the Plastic Podcasts, Tales of the Irish Diaspora, We All Come From Somewhere Else. The Leeds Centre was the first purpose-built Irish centre in the country, and Tommy was the MC on its opening night. He tells me about how it all got started. Well, I think what it was, because I, I was a member of the old Irish Nash. I was there from 1962. We used to go there on a regular, regular basis. And as I've said to many people, uh, we used to see these plans up on the wall about this new place that we're going to have. And we thought this would never, ever happen. And many, many of my friends brought out raffle tickets out to the sites and the different jobs selling raffle tickets to raise money for this place. And eventually it, it happened. Um, I think it was because at that time there was so many young Irish men and, and women in uh, in this country. Uh, you're talking about the sort of the, the mid 60s, the time that the motorways were being uh, being built and one thing or another. And you got these young people and they were thought to themselves, we're going to stay in Leeds, we're getting married, we're going to have a family, we need a place of our own. And a fair play to them, they. Uh, they put their heads together and eventually approached the um, a local brewery, Joshua Tetley at the time, and uh, they said, "Right, we will, we will see what we can do." They then they had um, um, Councillor Rooney, he was Michael Rooney, a Northern Ireland man. He was on the council, and he put them in touch with the the. Um, people that was able to get the land for them. They got a three acre site up here on York Road and then started to build the uh, Mary Harrison. I'm sure you've heard about Mary Harrison. Mary Harrison was the contractor that, uh, that built the center. I used to see it every week because at that time, I'm talking about 68, 69, uh, I worked in Hull and we used to go to Hull up on the A64 and we would pass this site uh, every Monday and then coming back on, on a Friday and we would see it sort of progressing week by week and eventually towards the end of 69, it was complete. And uh, as I said, it's, uh, it's an amazing place and has been over the years. Were there any objections to it at the time? I don't think there was, not that I know of. No, I never heard that actually. Um, again, you talk about the, the late 60s, there were, there were good times for everybody. Um, the Irish people in particular in Leeds see to integrate very well and uh, no I, I didn't hear of any any uh, no I didn't actually no. One of the pictures in the book is a picture of my dad and an, uh, from Galway and a Mayo man uh, a friend of his and it's about 200 yards down the road and they're actually building the inner ring road. The inner ring road yeah. yeah. Uh, just 200 yards from the centre yeah. it's about this and you know there's no high-vis jackets there's no hard hats no nope. they're in raggy old clothes that would have been their own seen better days and they were the work clothes and you think that that's the sign of the times on time yeah, it was it was yeah it was yeah well that, that gives us a, a nice link into actually um the more personal aspects of the stories which is that um uh, obviously you're all like um from uh, from uh, from irish background and so on and 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 sharon you were talking about your dad and thomas you were talking tommy rather you were talking about um how um yeah. How there's how there's a there's a history of the the the, the Irish in in Yorkshire and in Leeds. Yes. And it's not yeah. something that people normally associate with, with with Irish. I mean, they normally think of the northwest down to the, the Midlands, down to the southeast, don't they? They do. But Leeds Leeds in particular was also always known as a west of Ireland town. You know, uh, I think going back to uh, 
long, long time. Uh, they used to come this side for to the farmers in the early days. You know, I'm talking about my father first came to England. He came in the twenties and then the mid twenties, and um, he came to the farmers in 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 Skipton area and and that type of thing. And and then as as Sharon says, you know, building buildings and start buildings, and then people sort of came later on to do other navvy work as they used to say in, in the old days you know uh, and I think that's what brought people to Yorkshire but again you, you only had one member of your family to be here and you would draw then other members of your family would come or people from the one village and stuff yeah. like that you know. That's a, a prime example of my family because my, my mother came here because her sister came to Leeds and, uh, and her husband were doing building but my mother went into into engineering and tailoring uh, so that, 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 you know, it wasn't just the aspect of, of, of the building that came over for it. it was just, and I said to her before she died, I said to her, what, what, what brought you to Leeds? And she just went, well, family brought me to Leeds. Said, well, mm. What was it, what was it really like for you when you came over here? Because you've come from, from, you know, a, a, an area in Ireland that was quite relatively poor to, to, to a city. And she went, I could get a job in the morning, a job in an afternoon if I didn't like the job in the morning. And that's what it was like. They would find people who would get them jobs and assist them to get work. them in. And that's what this this place was like. And and, yeah. and that's it. The Irish community always stuck together and always helped each other. And that's what we we thrive on. And that's what we've always have done. And it's yeah. been, this place has been the lifeblood of the Irish community over the years. And long may it continue to be that. And it's, it's down to the hard work that everybody else has put into it, the way get where we are today. And Sharon, where did you say your family were coming from? My dad is from, was born and raised in Galway, one of seven. Um, four went to America. Him and his brother, Jimmy, came to um, England. Um, they started off uh, as uh, le- uh, working on farms. And in fact, um, with, his, with my dad, Mick's best friend, uh, Jimmy Donnelly, uh, they slept in barns above the animals in, uh, you know, mm-hmm. When, uh, they were hired out on farm farm hiring days as well in North Yorkshire and Lincolnshire. And then they were in Manchester and um, he met my mum there at an Irish dance. Um, my mum's family are from uh, Mayo and Leitrim and Wicklow. And, um, and, but they settled in Wakefield where she, she and her family did settle. Um, but my granddad on, on that side was a miner. And again, he worked with a lot of men, particularly from the west of Ireland in, yeah. in, in, in pits. And my dad was a labourer, worked till he was 72. Mm. My mother was one of, one of nine. And of the nine, four of them came to England, settled in uh, originally. One settled in Crewe, but moved to Leeds, one in Nottingham. And then she was joined by two others. So the four of them ended up, or three of them ended up in, in, in Leeds and, and one ended up in Nottingham. But it, it, you know, in the, my mother's from from Clala County Mayo near Ballinau, um, and but this was it. My my mother then, as as time went on, we used to take lodgers in because obviously the, we weren't the richest people in the whole wide world. And they needed to to you know succeed and, and keep going, and we used to the people we had were always from the local villages around where we were, and some people weren't because we were young innocent Irish fellows coming over they weren't allowed to come to, to England until they went to Susie McGregor's and that was to go to my mother and my mother would either look after them if we had space or she'd find them somewhere but my mother was like the, the go-to person to get somewhere so this is this what it was like is that that they were a trusted person they knew there was somebody in Leeds they could go to and I, I'd be sat in the house on a Saturday evening they knock on the door 
and a man there with a suitcase. I'm, I've come, you know, come from Lackham in, in, in County Mayo and I'm coming over to, to, you know, can you get me some work? Can you get me somewhere to stay? And that was the evening then was trying to find somewhere for them to stop if we couldn't put them up or find them work on a Monday morning. And it was, it, you know, I can remember it as being a, 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 a three and four year old kid. The house was full of people, not just us as a family of, uh, you know, I've got a brother and, and my mother and father, but we had another five fellas and nine of us in the house and it was an absolute fantastic time. The best, I, I would do every single bit of it again, even though we didn't have a whole boatload, but it was just, it was just the fun, the crack, the laugh, and the, the fact that it, it was, it was like having another bit of Ireland over here. It was in our house and that was a, the nice part for me. And I, I could go back to Ireland now and I can see the families that, that we, we had that you know, the, the grandfathers actually came to us in that sort of way and now you see the families over there and they're still the families still remember that you know my grandfather went and stayed at your house and and that that's fantastic to me to be honest because that that nature and, and that connection stays forever and that's what this place is like is we've got people that, that came here in the in the 50s and 60s and they've gone back and retired back to ireland but when they come when they come back to uh, leeds the first place they come is through this door because they'd rather come here. This is their home, and the, you know they've got family here. But this is their home, and that's fantastic. That's what we we love. That's what that's what this place is all about. Do you know what I think though? I mean, as I say, my grandmother uh, waved six off, and my uncle told me there was a small hill in front of the farm where they lived when they were growing up in a little hamlet called Emrecly near Milltown in Galway, and they would leave the farm, go to the local train station that's now closed down, and the train would go past two or three fields away uh, to uh, Dublin to get the boat. And uh, my uncle Jimmy said she'd, they'd leave, they'd walk to the train station, and when they're on the train, she'd be stood on the little hill in front with mm -hmm. the tea towel waving goodbye. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, I've, I've waved two children off to university, and I read about people being grief-stricken and so upset and all that, and I think, how must she have felt waving six off, never knowing when she'd see them again? And mm -hmm. one daughter couldn't afford to go home for years. Heartbreaking. Okay. I mean, that's the cost of migration. It is heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why centres like this, apart from having a great time on a weekend, but that's why they're so important. Absolutely. Well, my yep. story, my story is a little bit like Liam's. Uh, my parents were were married in London, and um, they uh, they were bombed out of London at the Battle of Britain, and. Mother was expecting me at the time, and she was told by the authorities that they would have to evacuate her. So they said to her, where would you like to be? And she said, well, the last time I was speaking to my husband, he was in Stoke-on-Trent. Because at the time, my father worked for the war office. He was a, a bricklayer by trade, and he worked for the, the war office in, in um, repairing damaged buildings that belonged to the government. So anyway, they moved up. To, she moved up to Stoke-on-Trent, and that's where I was born in January of 1941. After that, then a few months later, she she moved into Mexico, which is in South Yorkshire. And uh, why they moved there is because her sister, then a younger sister, was expecting a baby, and she wanted to be there to uh, to help them through. My father went into the mines at that stage, and we then just like. Um, like Liam was saying, we took in young lads as lodgers, 
mainly from Tumakedi, believe it or not. And again, the small house that we had was absolutely packed with young lads. They didn't want to be nowhere else. And if they didn't live with us, they used to come to us on a Sunday to, to listen to uh, to Radio Athlone and the, the, listen to the, the football or whatever. Young girls that was in the local hospital that was over from Ireland, Montague Hospital, used to come down because they had nowhere else to go. So they used to come to us because, again, they had the Irish connection there. My father, as I said, had um, an allotment. Instead of growing flowers, he kept pigs. And I remember at one time he had between 30 and 40 pigs at a time. So you can imagine uh, during, the, during the late 40s and 50s, we had plenty of food because... He I, bet you did, I bet you had plenty of bacon. We had loads of bacon because he used to kill two pigs every six months. But having said that, he used to obviously uh, see to the older people in the street to make sure that they had plenty. But my recollection of those days was seeing hams hanging from the ceiling. And, uh, you know, down in the cellar then he would, he would uh, cure, cure the, the, the ham and all that. So we had, And as I said there about what the respect that they had, um, was when I went to Ireland then, oh, just maybe maybe about 20 years ago now, people from Tumakedi came out to meet us and made such a fuss of us. It was unbelievable. And one day in the centre here, I was just passing through and I saw this couple sitting down and I just acknowledged them. Then coming back, I thought I'd just sit down and just speak to these people. So the lady said, uh, do you need to have... Uh, do you need to have info to come in here? Do you need to have... I said, no. She said, I want you to see something, she said. So her husband put his hand in his top pocket and took out this photograph. And it was of himself and my mother taken in the backyard in Mexborough back in the late 40s. He had since gone to America, to Chicago in particular, and uh, it was absolutely amazing. So he said, can I, can I um, um, meet your mum? I said, you certainly can. So we went off then home and we had a lovely afternoon then reminiscing about all those times in Mexborough and the pigs, of course. We used, what used to get me, one thing about Ireland and, and, and here, we used to get hams sent over at Christmas from Ireland wrapped in newspaper. Yeah. And they're going to the, the, the stamps on the, on the ham and the, it goes to the post office and this ham had arrived and half the newspaper had been missing. But the stamps would stick on the, on the pig. It's unreal, unreal. <laughs> good times, good times. You're listening to The Plastic Podcasts, Tales of the Irish Diaspora. If you're new here, or even if you're not, and you want to keep up with all that's new and fit to broadcast, well, why not subscribe? Simply go to the bottom of our homepage at www.plasticpodcasts.com and pop your email address in the space provided. One confirmatory click later, you'll be on the list and notified of each fresh podcast. We'll be back with the gang from Leeds Irish Centre in a moment, but first, the plastic pedestal, where I ask one of my interviewees to name a member of the diaspora of personal or cultural significance to them. This week, the performance poet Sue Andy, and a pedestal with a difference. Oh, that's really hard. When I first started, you know, people always wanted me to say Maya Angelou, Maya Angelou, it's by Maya Angelou. Um, I don't think, you know, I don't think I have one, truthfully. I don't think, I think I'm too much of a cynic. 
No, there, honestly, there isn't a per. I mean, it's probably a gaggle of people I could say collectively, and even then I would struggle. I think because I'm such an odd character and not a, a particularly, and I'm not trying to be modest here, no, I'm not a particularly good per person, but I think I have a knack of reading people. And I think, well, I know I can meet someone and decide right away whether I like them, don't like them. And sometimes I say I don't like them and they do something, I think, oh, I was wrong not to like them. Then they do something, I think, oh no, I was right. I think I read people very well, particularly in, in when I'm working, you know, I'm partnered with somebody um, and, you know, 90% of the time they're going to be white. And I read how I've got to behave. You know, the mask that Maya Andrew talks about, we wear the mask. I work with people and I think, All right, I've got to handle this person careful. They're naive, particularly on race. Um, I've got to be ready for them to say something that's going to be out of order and I've got to be ready how I correct it because this is the only opportunity they're going to have to be corrected, you know what I mean? Um, and some days I don't do it very well and I snap. And of course, then I am the aggressive black woman. I think I'm like a shopper in a shopping complex. So there are these range of people and each of them offers something that I admire and I'd like a bit of that to rub off me, do you know what I mean? Um, and who I trust and who I can go to for advice and, and the rest of it. Sue Andy there. And if you want to hear more of what she's got to say, and frankly, why wouldn't you, then go to the episodes page at www.plasticpodcasts.com or find her interview on Spotify, Amazon or Apple Podcasts. Now back to Leeds, and Irish Centre Chairman Liam Thompson describes how his career started with a spot of bar work. About 1983, I was bar staff here, and I must admit, um, it was a sort of bit of an accident um, of how I got a job here. I... I probably had too much to drink one evening and um, Christy, who was, who, who, who was the power manager here and, and who's been here for two years longer than Tommy, 47 years, uh, um, came out from behind the bar and I must have fallen asleep. I, I, to my detriment, I fell asleep. I remember him tapping me on the shoulder and waking up and there was nobody in the room apart from me and him. And he just looked at me and says, now young man, he says, um, wouldn't you be better stood behind the bar and in front of it asleep on a chair? Mm -hmm. So I went, oh yeah, certainly, Chris, you give me a job, you give me a job. He says, I will give you a job. He says, next Friday, you'll come in here, seven o'clock, make sure you're in here. So Friday night, I turns up, goes into the game room, pair of jeans and a t-shirt. So I walked into the bar, I said, you still want us to have the job? You give me the job? He went, yeah, yeah, come on, in here, go down them stairs. I walked down and it was a full dinner dance, dinner dance, people in suited and booted and all the bar staff in black and white and dicky bows and everything and i'm in a pair of jeans and a t-shirt he said now you've learned your first lesson ask what job it is first for you but that's you're always going to get a lesson here aren't you tommy always going to get a lesson here oh, 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 and this yeah. is it this is like a it's a lifelong obsession that tommy will admit to that is it becomes it's something that never leaves you um it, it, you know it's it's here for us that's it's always been here to me how old were you at the time Oh, I'd be 22, 23 at that time. And what were you doing before then? I was, I was at school and, 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 and college and things like that. I was, I was actually working for, for George Wimpy's on the buildings. I was doing, I was in the offices. Yeah. But this was, 
we used to come out here on a, on a Friday night, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, you were, you were here. And this place was the 10 deep at the bar, Friday, Saturday night, Saturday night, Sunday night. And it, it was, it was the only place to go really. You had to, if you're Irish, you had to be here. At what point did the Irish centre in Leeds kind of take over your life? Uh, I think when I became bar staff here, it takes over your life. If I'm being really honest, because we've got we've got bar staff that here now, young lads, you know, 19, 20 years of age. Uh, include my my own daughter works. She's away at university now, but back in December she'll be back here. They absolutely adore the place. They adore the atmosphere. They adore the crack they have with 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 everybody that's here. It becomes lifelong friendships. The people who I work with in the bar here are lifelong friends. I still talk to them we still meet up we still go out for drinks we you know we 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 you gain that friendship and you know tommy you know as a manager at that point my manager at that point and now as it stands we, we work as a great team together myself and christy and tommy and julie and marion and everyone that's here as, as, as staff we're a team it's not it's not on them and us it's, it, there's no job titles no, is there? There, is, there isn't there isn't there's no and hierarchy booking isn't it tommy pick up move shove i mean absolutely christmas here there's, a, there's there's normally a christmas uh gentleman's lunch here so there'll be 460 at lunch here and they'll raise last year they raised a quarter of a million pounds didn't tommy i don't know what they did yeah, but yeah. we we've got to turn this room around in an hour so we have to get 460 guys and ladies that are drinking and enjoying themselves out of here, clean the room up and get another party in. And between everybody from committee to, to, to bar staff, to, to anybody and friends, anything will come in and everyone helps to turn the place around because that's what it's like. Everyone just has to dig in and help. Yeah. Uh, Tommy, you've been here, what, 45 years? I, I mean, so obviously Christie's got the record at 47 years. He has. Um, but you've been there for 45 years. Yes, I've been here no, for. But you were there opening night, weren't I you? I was, I was, I was there opening night in 1970 as the compare. Yes, I was, and I stayed for about 15 months, and then I I left then because I said I was working out of town and three kiddies and one thing or another, but I came back in 1975 then as the as the manager. Yes, so, um, yes, it hasn't it hasn't always been an easy ride by no means, but as I said, my myself and Chris worked together as a team and um we always set we always set our benchmark fairly high and we were lucky i think we were ahead of our time you know we were just ahead of the posse all the time as you said they're talking about the boys there liam and them behind the bar we had um you know djs here back in 1980 you know when djs at the time was thought to be something else but that encouraged the younger generation of Irish people to come along, uh, as well as your show bands. You had you had your disco as well, and that's what encouraged at that time. You know, I would say between 1981 and 1995 or something like that would be your absolutely uh, pinnacle years, uh, because you had both youngsters and older people together, and uh, it was great. It was. You know, but it, it wasn't always easy, but we had a, a passion for the place and we wanted it to succeed and we made it succeed and we worked hard for it. But you know, so, now, Tommy, a couple of, a couple of well, like 18 months ago, we did a, 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 a Abba night here, didn't we, for, for, yeah. for Damien. Uh, yeah. um, unfortunately, not, Tommy's son died when he was 21 years of age of, of a heart complaint. And we did, a, we did a, a fundraiser here just to raise some money for, for, um, for the heart, heart unit. And we invited all ex-bar staff back didn't we tommy yeah, and yeah, we did. people yeah. that came through the door absolutely we we 
we thought we'd make it a success. We, it, were not, it was stunning, wasn't it, Tommy? I mean, yeah, we, it was, actually. We, yeah. the, I was stood with the doctor who was who had asked, could we raise some funds for them? Mm. And as I'm stood with him at the bar, Tommy had, had gone onto the stage to say some bits and pieces, and the doctor said to me, he says, uh, well, so we'll get a couple of grand out of this, will we? I went, um, I think you better get your catalogue out. I think you're going to get a bit more than that. Because he wanted £14,000, didn't he, for a, for a piece yeah. of software that scanned, yeah, 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 yeah. scanned the heart in like 3D, yeah, yeah. so it meant they didn't need to do so much invasive surgery. Yeah. So we twenty thousand pounds. I think we yeah. raised. So th this is what it's like here: is is that the ex bar staff treat this as 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 their home, and they'll they walk through the door and they've never left. And that's what it's like with with you know you're saying there about what keeps you here. This is this is something this is an itch you can't scratch, and that's what it's about. This place is. Interestingly, in the book, we we do have some famous names talking about what the celebrity, uh, what the centre means to them. And um, one of the uh, names is Gabby Logan, uh, who was Gabby Yorath. She's, you know, mm. the sports and TV journalist. And she's done it. She wrote a piece. It was lovely. Um, and uh, I also got her mum to write a piece. And her mum said, Christine, her mum said, we always felt OK when we knew the kids were down here because we knew it was safe. Mm -hmm. And um, and I think that's nice. And Gabby talks about, you know, a great piece, really. She talks about coming down as a teenager, you know, romantic shenanigans as a teenager. <laughs> and then, of course, she was Miss Leeds, Rosa Tralee. Was it Miss Leeds or Miss Yorkshire? No, Rosa Tralee. Yeah, Leeds, Leeds, Leeds Irish Centre, Rosa Tralee. Yeah, yeah. And uh, just, you know, how really... Gabby and Chris Moyles both say the Irish Centre helped shape their future. Yes. As, as did Nathan Carter Pay's amazing tribute. And Brendan Shine to say it, the centre helped them in their very early days. Yeah. Mm. I, I mean, I, I, I was saying about Nathan Carter, we were here the, I was here the first night he played here, and, and you know, 16, 17 year old lad, and there's probably 10 people in the, in the games room with him. And, Afterwards, I sat down with him and talking to him, you know, because he looked a bit disheartened, poor lad. And I just, I said to him, he said, oh, I thought there'd be more people. I went, look, it's a start. It's just a big start for you. And he said, um, I don't I don't know if this will work out, really. I said, just, I said, trust Tommy and trust the guy called Nicky James, no longer with us, sadly. Nicky, we were this Irish Centre, I was an awful lot to Nicky, but just trust them. I said, follow what they tell you to do and you'll you'll get places. And then after a little while of playing in the game room, he's and the game room was getting fuller and fuller he said i just love to get on the big stage in the big side of the irish center and then he got on the big stage and he was he was there playing on his own the big stage and he, to be honest looking at one guy on us and the size of our stage it's a, it's a bit lost so then he got a band behind him and it was just like as if it was stages to somebody's career succeeding and now you look at him he's playing arenas you know thousands of people in arenas and yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely and and he and he like say he's done a lovely piece for the for the book and he does state it's his Tommy gave him his first five gigs that meant he could buy a van instead of going around with his grandma putting putting the uh, speakers in the boot of the car. So that that's it. And it is, we've helped people along the way. And that's what it's about. It's helping somebody on the way. And they never forget us. That's, what it's, that's the great thing about it. That's lovely. I was going to ask Sharon, um, were there any stories that you had to miss out from the book? Um, no, I think we did. Um, Lee, we filled out we, we asterisk to swear word that's, that's about <laughs> that's, I think one of the yeah. celebs that maybe 
Was that the oasis? Yes. It could be. You used a fruity word and we actually had to, um, we just asterisked it it out. Yeah, yeah. That's the only thing left out. Was there a favourite story then? Favourite. Do you know, I, some of them make me laugh. Some of them I find quite touching. Um, I, I like Chris Moyle's account again. Chris happily wrote a very affectionate piece about growing up, coming here as a child, right through his childhood, teenage years, how he used to watch DJ Joe, who's still active in the censor, and he loads and loads, uh, Joe as he called him, uh, because Joe would say loads and loads of music, loads and loads of food, don't touch the sausage rolls yet, the buffet's not open. Um, uh, But Chris, and you know, who knows? how that shaped Chris's career. Yeah. Uh, so that made me laugh. I loved, I mean, I loved the Oasis story when they came just really before they made it big. And Tommy, uh, Tommy, do you want to tell the story? Well, yes. Um, I mean, Oasis, I mean, I didn't know them from Adam at the time, obviously. <laughs> and um, one of them came up to me now and he said, uh, uh, can I borrow your phone? I said, not mobile, landline. It was well, landline, no mobile. <laughs> Can I borrow your phone? He said, I want to, I want to ring my mother. And I must have thought, well, your mother must be in Ireland, you know, obviously, you know. And uh, he said, no, he said, mother's in Manchester. Oh, I said, that's no problem. So off you go and sit into the office and he made his phone call to his mother in, in, uh, in Manchester. Yeah, they were, they were, they were different. But the question he's always getting asked, the question is, which one was it? And he still didn't have a clue. But um, so but these the play, were... you got to remember the play here for seven pounds, and the, the backing band was Ocean Colour Scene, so you wouldn't get them for £200 pounds now, but each of the two of them, you know, seven, seven pounds. So who was seven pounds? Oasis, the two, the two of them, but seven, Ocean Colour Scene and, and Oasis, seven pounds a ticket. Okay, That's yeah. all it was, you know. And uh, people, the question when I tell, we tell this story, people always say, so the, the, the brothers came in, Tommy, Tommy, can we use your phone? We need to let our mum know we've got here safely. Obviously, crossing that very dangerous M62 to go to go from Manchester to Yorkshire. So the question Tommy always gets asked, which one was it? And he still ain't got a clue. No, not a clue. <laughs> but he said they were very nice, polite lads. Very nice. You're listening to the Plastic Podcasts, Tales of the Irish Diaspora. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter. The Leeds Irish Centre has served its community through two generations, through the Troubles and beyond. I ask Sharon, Liam and Tommy what changes they've seen. This section starts and ends with Tommy. I, th- I, think, th- I think from my perspective is, is that uh, obviously the people that this place was built for uh, as I said, 50 years ago, when the mid-20s are now 70, 75 and 80. Uh, and they have sort of moved out of the equation and you are now looking for the next generation, uh, the second generation, uh, which is not easy because there is so much of them to go. Uh, Leeds, Leeds, as I said, back in 1980, uh, there wasn't much around for young people, and that's why the young people came to us on a Sunday night. Uh, today now, every second place in the town is, is is a bar or cafe or whatever. I think things have changed very, very much. Um, 
we still have the young people the parents that that have got kids doing irish dancing parents that have got kids coming to the to the kyotas to the music lessons you still have that type of thing but the young young people it's very difficult to 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 uh, get the young people in like what we did as when um Liam was on about back in 1981 yeah. to... One thing, I, one, one thing I will say though, Tommy, is when the lockdowns happened now and, and the, the, when it opened up again in July, it's, it, it sort of took a bit of a change, hasn't it? We, the people have... have because they, they, they weren't happy going into town, they wanted to a bit more security. It's become a lot busier in that sort yeah. of respect. Yeah. And we, we've... People have sort of... Some people that were, would be sporadic have become regular in that sort of way. That they, they, yeah. They're coming a lot more <clears> because <throat> they feel safer here. Um, and that's what you've got to do is you've got to welcome him with, with open arms and, and, and hopefully, you know, that will have a, a knock-on effect in, in the years to come. Yeah. We're confident. We're, we're very confident. We're lucky. We're lucky. Where other Irish centres aren't lucky, we're lucky. Yeah. We've, we've, had, we've had great management and we've had good committees and we're financially sound and yeah. we, we, we've got forward thinking. We're, ne we're, never, we're never looking back going, that's my seat sort of mentality. Do you know, so the leads in the Irish haven't changed. Um, the world's changed. Um, we've stayed the same. We're still, still the same nature. Um, we're still, we prefer to go out and enjoy ourselves and sit at home and look at four walls. If I'm being really honest, we're not a, we're not an introvert bunch of people. Um, the Irish are here for the crack, and you only got one stab at this. And that, to be honest, whether you be a doctor or, or you're digging the roads, you're the same person when you walk through any any of our, you know any of our doors. And the thing, the thing about the people is, is that they're out for a bit of fun. That's what the Irish people want. And this is, that's the hard thing about about COVID at the moment in time is that the fun that they want, they can't get to. And work sort of not com. Well, we are confident. I'd say that when this finishes, I think people are just going to want to enjoy themselves an awful lot more. I think, I think this is like a sea change. If I'm being really honest, in 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 people's attitudes of. They've looked at the four walls for 12 months and now they want to be they want to be out with people so I, I think the Irish haven't changed I think the world's changed but but from from our point of view is yeah that the the Irish population that that's in Leeds has, has got old as, as Tommy alluded to earlier on um, we don't have as many of, of the people that want to come to like you know the, the the formal dancing sort of thing but the fact is is that if they want to do that sort of thing we're here for, we're here for them um it, it's it's a pleasure to see the cross age groups from from the from the cultists from the young kids uh, and and even the irish dancers from like two and three years of age doing irish dancing um up to the the the, the lady that's on the book the, the front of the book cover who's a, a world champion irish dancer it, it's it's that that thing that that it's always evolving it's it's instead of it being um let's say you know Grace O'Hara, let's say it's a granddaughter that, that we're seeing. It's that sort of thing. It's not. It, it, it's this is here for every part of that family, and not just for the Irish families. This this, this Irish centre is here for the for the people that live around here as well. We we have a lot of of indigenous population that that are part and parcel of our centre and and fantastic parts of our Irish centre. We we you know we're, we're we're open to everybody. We look after everybody, and it isn't just an Irish community here. It's a community. And that's what's the best thing about it. We're we're part of, one of the best parts of the community around here is is these four walls and this building. And everyone knows to look to us if they need help, like like alluded to earlier on with charities and things like that. 
but there's this like Sharon mentioned earlier about the food for the Simon community that just didn't happen you know for the people on the streets well lockdown's been on that's been going on for years something that they don't shout about here they never have shouted about there's there's so many things that happen here that that we do in private that we, that we don't need we don't need plaudits for it we don't need we don't need pats on the back it's just something that's the right thing to do because we're here to help and here to look after not here to not here to take the money over the bar and that's the end of the story it's not like that this is this is a community and where it's a community we're proud of and it's an Irish centre we're proud of and I'm absolutely proud of everybody in here. Uh, Liam I think that's been part of our success is uh, is that the, the local people know our true that then they know our true value that they know what we've done and uh, and that's why uh, when Doug was saying there about the bad times, in, I remember sitting out in the uh, in the car park uh, in in 1976, waiting for the place to go up, uh, and you know the police saying we, we've coded message, it's going to go tonight. Uh, you know you couldn't believe it, and and you just you know couldn't believe that this would happen in Leeds, and that, it didn't happen as about, we know. No, but the thing about it is, is that the the nurture of how we fit into a community, not 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 create you know four walls around right. it and it's it we're secure but you look at like when we were 50 and we put the stuff on the on facebook one of the neighbors made a handmade card didn't they and brought the card across yes, to us they did, yes. and that, you know a, a neighbor that, that yeah. to be honest when people leave here they can be a bit noisy or you know the, right. the, the, the that sort of thing but because they respect us and respect the place and we've respected yeah. them all their life they couldn't wait to bring a card over to us. And it was so touching, a handmade card to be brought, yeah, to, you know, yeah. to put together for us. And that's what it's about is we're, we're as equal part of this community as the community's part of us. And, and that's what the pleasure of this place is. Exactly. That's, that's, the, that's the itch probably I can't scratch is, is finding what that little, little source is. Other places have lost it and unfortunately they've lost their Irish centres. And that, that's what we, we'll never be to that point. Thank God we're, we're, we're so fortunate in what we've done and how we've done stuff and how how adaptable we've been and for for a man that, that that's that's there mr mclaughlin and the, the the few years on the clock that he's got no um, no if you could wind him back another 40 years we'd be we'd be all delighted because we're let's see four years in front of us but we it, but it but the fact is is that a new idea every day is is something that he he comes up with and i must admit he sometimes he walks in he says stuff and you think oh god more work for us but you know what you get on with it and you do it and and he's doing something now in regards to to, to food parcels for, for people for christmas which is fantastic for people that are less fortunate themselves and again something not being shouted about we're just going to do it we're getting on with it we've got a plan and and this is it is is it's about everybody touching out to every part of the community and you don't have to say leeds irish center and everything what it has to say is my belly's full because i got food from somewhere i think you know the other thing 200 years is not a long time in history is it and you know um i've got uh, my uh, my great great grandmother that my, my my family came over from the famine onwards and it was even tough when they came over you know and yeah I, in the genealogy i've done in the 1870 census which would have been the first census she was here she couldn't write spell a surname yeah. but she was widowed and had four kids to bring up and she lived in a yard uh in wakefield near other people from Leitrim. and you think yeah life is tough under lockdown it's boring it's annoying and all that life is tough for lots of people in lots of ways but 
they had it tough in the past far worse i would say to be honest and you just had to get on with it you know my own nan was university bright as i say very clever um had to work in the mill at 13 and they've walked the path so we can be here where we are now today um warm houses good social life good friends money to pay the bills most you know most of us and i think we're thankful and yeah. i think you know and and i think the, the beauty of the center is um it pays tribute to the past it doesn't forget it or airbrush it but it also looks forward and you know the attitude here and i think it's a great attitude is anyone who wants to get on good luck to them and you know if you've got links to the center that's great we're proud of you mm. i mean you know about there about people's struggles i mean um, tommy's struggles the same as mine my, my father died when i was 13 years of age so my mother was a widow you know at, at 48 years of age and just got on with it did not not you know no poor me um the community rallied around her and, and she got some help from the community to start off with but then it's that resilience that that, that that you know you've got to get on with it because that's what it's about and that's what the irish community is about and that's tommy like tommy will tell you they're the same with, with him when his father died when he, he was young and it's 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 that you know the strong women and, and that's the good thing about, about the irish center the, the strong women have helped everybody in here uh and and Behind, like, behind every strong man there's a strong woman and that, that's the truth and that's the Irish no 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 great. behind every strong man there's a stronger uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no it is it's it is it's a you're grateful for the the nature and nurture that was that was given to us and brought Absolutely. us to where we are now and therefore we can pass that on to others yeah and, and our families are the same I, I, you you know yourself Tommy your family's the same my family's the same it's it's that 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 there's something different about about the nature and nurture that we've got it doesn't just look for what's in it for me it's what's in it for everybody and, and what, what can we do and how can we do it and that's the right way to bring people up into it that's that's what it should be about i've got one final question and basically what i'm going to do is ask you i mean normally when i when i, when I finish these interviews i ask people what it feels what 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 it means to be a member of the irish diaspora to them and things like that but i think because we're being specifically about the uh, about uh, uh, about the Leeds Irish Centre. I'm going to ask you for three words each. Three words that describe what the Irish Centre in Leeds means to you. And I'm going to start with Liam, if I may. Hmm. <laughs> um, crack. Fun. Happiness. Sharon? Uh, resilience. History. Caring. And finally, Tommy. It's my life. Oh. Absolutely <laughs> perfect. <laughs> I'm going to cry. You've been listening to the Plastic Podcast's Tales of the Irish Diaspora with me, Doug Devaney, and my guests, Sharon Boyle, Liam Thompson, and Tommy McLaughlin of Leeds Irish Centre. Music by Jack Devaney. The book, 50 Years in the Making, can be ordered online by emailing book at leedsirishcentrebook.co.uk and is available for £20 hardback and £10 paperback plus postage. The Plastic Podcasts are supported using public funding by Arts Council England.